Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, and once again, I am not joined by my brother, Ian. I am proud to say that Ian and his lovely wife have welcomed their first child into this world. I didn't talk to him about this beforehand, so I'm not going to say her her name. It is a girl, because he may not want me to. So I'm not just going to go out there and, and say the name around town. I will say... It does have something to do with basketball. So if if and when Ian is ready to share it, he will. But if you if you know Ian, please go check out his Instagram and and uh, leave a like and a comment for for his lovely and healthy new daughter. But we do have a lot of sports to talk about. I said I was going to do twice a week, instead here I am once every two weeks because you know life. And I needed to bring another family member, a new stand to the podcast. But it's still returning guest, Pod God Rob Shaw, the Shaw's Law Podcast. Rob, what's going on, buddy? What's going on? Oh man, did you see the big doofy grin when I was called family? I was like a new stand, baby. Um, yeah, just add to that Ian. to your Twitter bio. <laughs> oh, I will. Congrats to Ian. Um, we won't spoil the name, but the name is a sports guy's dream. It's elite. It's an elite yeah, he, name. He killed this. Yeah, he did. He did. And he he did the double uh, grandma middle names. So our grandma and then her grandma. So, you know, nice homage to, to family's past. And he's tired. He's a little overwhelmed, like every new parent is. So he's doing great. That's what he's that doing means. His thing. He's doing yeah. his thing. Kid tired is so different because you're so tired. But you know, you don't have a choice. You know what I mean? It's you're, not you're, you're like on high alert the all the time, all the time. Like it's just adrenaline all the time. Like there's a what thing I need to feed and, you know, take care of constant vigilance, constant vigilance. Well, speaking of babies, I want to start the podcast off with the Kentucky Wildcats because oh, I have this rant ready because you did your solo podcast uh, a couple weeks ago after they lost. It was so spicy that Apple cut half of it. So I wonder if, given the time that you've had away from the situation, how do we feel about the loss of the Peacocks? Still outrage, slamming desks and and taking names? Or a little more perspective? You called them the Peacocks. Don't lie and tell me that you knew they were the Peacocks before the tournament. Because nobody did. It's the funny thing is, in your podcast, you said, I dare anyone to tell me what their what their mascot or their or their nickname is. Go ahead, I'll wait. And I knew I knew what it was only because of like highlights and shit. But I did, I couldn't put it together, so I had to look it up. I had to look it up. Yeah, nobody knew that before the tournament outside of people in the Mac. I'm in Mac uh country, like that's the nearest conference to us. Marist is about 45 minutes from me, not even 40, like 30. Um, Sienna is an hour away. My boy played at Monmouth, broke every school record at Monmouth. Shout out to Justin Robinson, 2000 points, first team all Mac three times, um, player of the year twice, maybe like Tay Fisher, Harlem Globetrotter, Kingston guy, um, went crazy verse, uh, Vanderbilt in the NCAA tournament, Anthony Gaines went to Northwestern, and then he went to Siena, another Kingston. I'm in MAC territory. 
So for my boys with a million dollar locker room and all these endorsements, national player of the year, Oscar Sheedway, um, potential lottery pick, Ty Ty Washington, to lose to a team that one, we didn't know what they were. They were the St. Peter's somethings. And two, to double down and them to be the goddamn peacocks. How many times should a wildcat <laughs> lose to a peacock? Peacocks are feisty, man. Yeah, so are wildcats. <laughs> like, it's just, it was miserable. We're not 12 minutes, in, we're not 12 hours into the tournament before they're eliminated. And like, for those that know me, I love March Madness. Like I'm walking around work singing to people, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And they're like, it's Christmas. I'm like, no, it's not March. Christmas, it's March Madness. It's, yeah. it's degenerate gambler heaven. Like, are you kidding me? And my boys bounced like right on out. Does it make you feel any better that it wasn't just you? Now, listen, you know, Murray State, fine nothing right home about but they did bounce purdue as well who also have a potential top five top eight pick of their own did did, did were you, did you end up cheering for them at that point like if you're gonna beat me then go beat everybody else i love a good storyline i think all right. people in sports love a good storyline this is an amazing story um and that's it's cool like once your team loses your team loses and then once kentucky loses i get to watch college basketball how I watch NBA basketball, which is relatively objectively, like I don't have an NBA team outside of outside of Duke. You no, just no, want no, them no, to lose no. every game. But that's that's because like my my dad's from North Carolina, my brother's a Duke fan, and I don't want them to lose every game because it's my, my brother's my best friend. I don't like to see. Yeah, them. you want them to be happy, but you also don't want to hear about it the entire time. But like the the Coach K gargle fest was too much for me. Like, I love commentary. I've been watching Duke games on mute all season because, like, I'm not getting any basketball insight. I'm just getting a wealth of Coach K stories that I can read in one of the, I don't know, 900 books that have been written about him. So if they're not going to analyze the game or tell me, here, here's a perfect example of why it was too much Coach K love fest. North Carolina has a player from... um, White Plains, New York, that played at um, Archbishop Stepanak, and so does Duke, and they were teammates. How many times was that mentioned during the broadcast? I don't you trust had you. a Duke and a Carolina player, um, R.J. Davis from Carolina, who's a sophomore, and um, A.J. Griffin of Duke, who is a freshman, were college, uh, were high school teammates at Archbishop Stepanak in Pine Pl- in uh, White Plains, New York, and that doesn't get mentioned because it's all about Coach K. When's the last time Coach K made a fucking jump shot? Wow. Wow. What a statement. I, he is one of the most successful coaches of all time. Like, we're not going to take that away from him. No, no. He Oh, he's he's great. But, coach, but, but, like, you don't see coaches do this. Like, this. You see Kobe do this. Or you see Dwayne Wade do this. Or you see, like, you know, players, icons. jump shots? Yeah, due to made jump shots. You're right. You don't really see this. I I don't think that we're going to see a Coach Popovich year-long tour. So, again, I hate Duke. I, I, I'm i pretty objective, and we're going to get to this as we get to the national title game, which I want to move to now. Again, it, to the listeners at home, 
I am NCAA basketball, like toddler. I used to be heavy into it. I loved it. It was something that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. As you get older, and as you have a family, things start to happen. There are certain things that in sports that you're going to end up dropping, right? I, I love I love the EPL. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Watch every game all the time. Can't do it anymore. An F1 race is an hour and a half long. I can do that. I can't watch all the soccer games. I can't, I, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then, they, then they're playing in Europa Cups and, and Champions Leagues and FA Cups and God's know what, God knows what else. Things just start to drop off. You're going to have favorite things that you, that you hang on to, right? I will watch a Blazers-Lakers game on a Thursday at 10 because my kids are asleep, my wife is asleep, and it's on TV, and I like basketball. And college basketball is tough for me. It's during the day. That's like kid grind time for me. It, it gets a little, it gets a little tricky. So as we tr- transition to the title game, I want you to talk to me like, like a toddler in NCAA, because I don't know a lot of the players. I don't know a lot of the games. I, I don't even remember a lot of the results. I have the bracket in front of me. I was following along. I watched a lot of those early games because to you, like you said, Rob, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I'm working, got the TV on mute and there's a basketball game on. It's awesome. It's like Martin Luther King day where it's, it's like basketball all day. And for me, I used to work and have a trade show that day. So we, I wouldn't actually be at the office. I'd be on the road. Me and my boss are setting up the booth. We've got basketball on in the booth. It was, it was special to me in that sense. Um, so, so let's get to the title game. And again, NCAA basketball on finals. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, as your kids get older, you can pick certain things back up as they get into sports. Oh, thank God. So my nine-year-old has really been on a basketball, basketball, basketball kick. And he's the oldest, so the other ones follow suit. Oh, Marcus wants to watch basketball? So we can all watch basketball with Daddy. It's it's amazing. Oh, that's incredible. My, my son's four. I, I've got him into hockey now, but even the hockey, he can only watch for like 15 or 20 minutes, and then he has to go do something else. And Just my daughter, play. once they start yeah. playing, he loves they're... hockey. He loves playing it, loves skating, loves everything about it. But let's get to something that you love that I watched start to finish. Although it was on the small screen, the Leafs were playing. So that was on the big screen until about, until about nine 30, the national title game, the Kansas Jayhawks defeat the North Carolina Tar Heels by three in a big win that they were trailing at halftime by, I believe it was 13 or 15 points. So my question to you, Rob, did the Tar Heels blow this or did Kansas take this? This is a cop-out, but it's a little bit in the middle. So basketball, they always say, is a game of runs. Yep. So if you can get down 15 at halftime in 20 minutes, you can come back from 15 in 20 minutes in the next half. Especially in college sports, college football, college basketball, you're never really in it. It's never really in or out because they're kids. You can score so quickly. Um, so my huge thing on the last pod is, hey, pros make a difference. Like pros in college, like when you have a guy and you look at him and you say, that is a certified NBA player. That makes a big difference. Kansas only had one that I would call a certified NBA player this year, but Wilson is likely an NBA player in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. He was the, he's the sophomore uh, wing who shot it pretty good. Mm -hmm. Guard play matters a lot in the NCAA. Remy Martin has been a bucket for about five years now. And then Oche Abaje, Oche Abaji is a pro. 
He yes. didn't have the best game, but at the end of the day, that dude is a pro and I expect him to be like a 10 year NBA veteran. And on the high side, sometimes I see Jimmy Butler, but on the low side, I just see a rotation three and D guy who might be the fifth starter on a good team. So kind of like 75% Mikhail Bridges. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, that's actually a really good one. Thank and you. then um, Caleb Love has a chance, but like he's not a bona fide pro, but the combination of Love and RJ Davis is exactly what you texted me. Oh, I see why Carolina got here. Guard play matters so much in the tournament. And that's two really good guards. Um, the shooting big in Brady Manic, and then just a rebounding machine in uh, Armando Baycott. It's a good team that went away from how Carolina normally plays. Under Roy Williams for the past however many years, Carolina has been one of the best rebounding teams in the nation. They've always played traditional two bigs. This year under um, Hubert Davis, they went away from that and really struggled. Um, Brady Manick, if college did a season's most improved player, like throughout the course of the year, he got so much better and tougher and more comfortable. Um, I, I don't know if you watched UNC versus Baylor, yep. but UNC was stomping Baylor, like yes, completely drugging Baylor. But Brady Baylor Manic made the big run at the end, right? Points. Huh? Baylor made the big run at the end, right? Wasn't that that game? Right after Brady Manic got tossed. Brady Manic had right. 26 points, got an iffy flagrant call. They rung him. He was out. And that's right when Baylor went on their run. Or else that was going to be a really bad ending for Baylor. 26 points with 10 to 12 minutes left. Like that means a guy's in the zone. So Baycott and McCormick, right? Two of the bigs, one on each side. Baycott, he's got the body of a pro. And maybe it's the shorts throwing me off because the short shorts are, they're legendary because he's got trunks for legs, which are, it's, it's wild. It's wild. It's, it's not like Scotty Barnes. This, this, this stood out. Do either of them have a chance to be good? Because I, I, you got to, I would think one, at least one of them would get drafted. Don't you? Um, I like Baycott more. Um, McCormick is just in that traditional big style. And we don't use that. In my, like that's a post up right. big and he killed them. That jump hook he sealed the game with. Yep. Um, I want to say consecutive possessions. He just got in the paint and made two massive jump hooks. You don't really see that in the NBA. Um, he's a guy that. And tell me I'm wrong, Rob, but you could say neither of them are going to get drafted. You could say neither of them are going to get drafted. They stink. You can say that. It's no, just... no I, well, I don't think they, I think they're both really good basketball players. I think Baycott has a much better chance because of his body type and what he profiles as he profiles as a third big that's an energy guy like right. he comes in to block shots and rebound and finish lobs mm-hmm. which is valuable in today's nba very that's valuable. awesome in today's whereas NBA. mccormick you're talking you know Jaleel okafor probably probably came 20 years too late for a guy like that yeah, like in order to be a post-up big you need to be joel Embiid type special you need to be right. able to be the complete hub of my offense and, like, there's not many guys in the league like that. There's Embiid, 
Joker plays a different style, but he's the hub of your offense at center. And then there's Towns, who's the hub of your offense at center. But Towns is very far from the basket a lot of times. Yeah, Towns like, is Joel one of the best shooting big men of all time. Yeah, Towns is one of the best shooting big men of all time. And Jokic is probably the best passing big man of all time. So they, they influence the game in so many different ways. Same, Embiid has has that too. He's elite defensively. He plays. He can play away from the basket. We don't want him to, but he can and does. Um, but let's not get to the NBA yet. We're, it always comes back to the pros. So I always try, try not to do that. Who did you have going into the game? Did you have Kansas or did you have UNC? Who, who was walking out with it for you? I was really excited for UNC. Just, it's a good run. It's his first year, but like at those blue bloods, it can get tough. And there was some, hey, maybe Hubert Davis needs to go during the middle of the year. There was more than some. There was strong talks about it. He was playing a different style. This is the first African-American coach at the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's a very historic program. So it would have been nice to see him get that big win on that big stage. So I was rooting for UNC, but pros, man, it comes down to pros a lot of the time. And UNC just didn't have a bona fide guy. Caleb Love was really bad. He'd been really good the prior two games. And I wasn't mad at him missing shots. I thought the shots he took were fine, except for the last, the, the one with 15 seconds left was was selfish and borderline hero ball. Mm-hmm. Like it was a deep three and it was now if he's making all the layups that he missed and he's not four for 16 at the time and he's rolling fine. But this is a night where you don't have it. You probably need to run a set here. Yep, and some of that sure. falls on Hubert Davis because he misses it. And then UNC gets it back and there's a scramble and he should have banged the timeout then. Well, he didn't, and Kansas yeah, moves on as the as the champions cut the nets. So let's get broader picture then. Who, from a player perspective, following this tournament, was the biggest winner on potential NBA draft boards come draft night for you? Um, I think it's Abaji, just because. I'm I'm probably higher on him than most. I told you guys like high end. I think he could be Jimmy Butler. And I don't know if that I think that, but sometimes I see some of it. He's a little bit smaller, but it's a good frame. He shoots it much better than Jimmy. Like at this stage, yeah. he shoots it better than Jimmy has ever shot it. I think we shoot it better but, than Jimmy. <laughs> but more importantly than that, the label of a winner travels. Mm-hmm. Like, and now this guy has won the NCAA tournament and he won on a game where he didn't shoot particularly well. He was under 16 points. Um, He's a worse free throw shooter than I think I knew. He's at about 67%. And just from like the three point shooting stroke, I figured he'd be like a solid 75, 80, but I think he moved himself up a lot. I'm not really Team Chet. I'm not super high on Chet Holmgren. <laughs> you skipped ahead. That was going to be my who was the biggest loser. And I, I think no, I don't think he was a com- loser. I'm no, just- not like not called a loser, but like because the reason I, I was I say that is there was that who are you taking Jabari Paulo or or Chet, and I think Chet is clearly number three now. 
it's it's easy for I love Pablo Bancaro's game. I worry that his might not translate all the way because a lot of his is he's he dances bigs, but they're college bigs. Mm-hmm. The jump shot is there. Uh, Jabari Smith is who I I want him to go to the Thunder so bad. I want him Jabari to go to the Thunder so bad. Jabari and, Sh- and Shea? Yeah, and also, like, where his game is at developmentally, he just needs to go somewhere where somebody else is going to do the bulk of the ball handling because that dude needs time in the lab as a ball handler. Like, he just doesn't really dribble. Like, he's a lot of catch and shoots and one dribble pull-ups. Now he's 6'10", and it's a high release, so he's going to get it off. But he's not Kevin Durant, but when Kevin Durant came into the league, all the crossovers and the way he dances people to get to his spots now, that didn't come in until the lockout season. The lockout season, they did all that where they were just playing pickup games and pro-ams at regular rec centers and playing everywhere. That's when Durant really was like, oh, I'm going to get a yo-yo. And Jabari, he needs some of that time. Well, I'd like him on the Pistons, too. Just his competitive with nature with, yeah, with no, Cade. Another, uh, he just needs a lead ball. If he can be catch and shoot, attack. Worst place for him is man. Houston. Going to Houston would be, a tro- it would be, in my opinion, terrible for him. And I know you're high, you're high on Porter and, and, oh, and Green. Oh, I know you do. But they're not a st- even Cade. They're not is, stable is, is, enough. Cade is is polished as a he's more polished as a ball dominant wing at at creating offense for his teammates than he should be right now. And he's not Scotty Barnes level, but he's he's better than I thought that he was going to be, and or better than probably he should be as a as a rookie this young on a team that bad, right? But Houston's just a mess. Like with all due respect to your boys, they're just, well, they're too. If young, you want someone that's sophisticated ball handler, Shy, uh, sorry, uh, Shea is is the guy. He'd be great on OKC, but for me, Detroit would be a nice number two. No, no, that's fine. The issue with Houston is those guys are all still trying to find themselves. I think Cade is comfortable with who he is. Shea is comfortable with who he is. Porter's like 100%. trying to prove I'm in. I'm an all-star level talent. Jalen Green's like, so am I. You don't want to throw a third young guy in there. And they no. already have Josh Christopher and Christian, Christian Wood, Wood doesn't seem like he's yep. the it doesn't seem like he's the most confident in <laughs> oh, I belong either. Like, no, keep him away. Keep him I away. Keep him away from yeah. Christian wouldn't <laughs> Jabari would not be great. Um all right, any other like we're not again, we're not calling Chet a loser. It just the tournament didn't shine as bright on him as maybe it did the other two. Even though Jabari was bounced, was bounced early. Yeah, he's just so my issue with Chet is his body type. Like he's the they always do the oh well Kevin Durant was skinny and so was um, Evan Mobley. Durant is a wing. Chet is a big, and Mobley is a different frame. It's a very skinny frame, but the shoulders are broader, and it yes. looks like it can add more weight easily. It looks like you would have to put Chet in a bubble gooseneck for him to add weight. He's just so thin, and it doesn't look like it's ever going 
to be there. And then if he's going to be that small, he can't guard fives. So now you need a five that you need a five. And then you kind of want to let him play free safety. Almost what they did with him and Drew Timmy. Mm. See, I, he, he has a bit of Porzingis to me. You know what I mean? Like, it, but Porzingis, people, he's big. Like Porzingis big. is also like seven, two. That's what I'm saying. He's big. Yeah, he plays small. That's Chet plays smaller than he is. He ain't, he isn't afraid. I'm not saying that he's afraid. It was funny. I was listening to um, a, a, one of the other podcasts, and what they had said was someone brought up. Well, you know, you know who is gonna who is gonna uh, be the target of every poster in the NBA when he gets there is Chet. And the guy has been following Chet since high school, and he goes, "Yeah, everyone's tried to make Chet a poster. He's been a few a couple of times. He doesn't care. He just is out there to, to play ball." And, and when I heard that, I was like, okay, all right. I kind of like that. But I don't know, man. Again, I haven't watched enough of them. That's why I have you on to talk about this. I haven't watched enough of it. Um, there wasn't, again, there wasn't anyone that really jumped out. Like, I didn't have like a person. You know what I mean? No, there, I agree. There wasn't anyone that jumped out to me where I was like, I am riding with you through the gates of hell into the NBA. Live or die. You are going to be my person coming out of this draft. Like it was for me with Jalen Suggs last year. I was so coming out of there with person or that storyline is um, Sheen Holloway, the former St. Peter's coach. He's the big star. Um, Ian, buddy, cover your ears if you're listening. Chet has a lot of Andrea Bargiani to me. Oh, he he won't care. <laughs> he has a lot of Andrea Bargiani to me. That's a good point. That's actually a better comparison than KP. And if he turns out to be Bargiani and Chet drops to the third and fifth pick, I don't think it's as bad. Bargiani's issue was one, he did suck, but he was also the first pick. pick. And then when he's not the first pick, he goes to the biggest media market he could find in New York. Like being the first pick and then going to poo poo. Man, it was probably the best one of the, it was one of, if not the best trade. I've ever seen in sports what Masai did to get Bargnani to the Knicks. It was like a first or two players back. And we didn't even want that. Lowry was supposed to be in it. And then they pulled that. It was masterclass. There's a, I'll send you a clip. There was a two very, very uh, popular sports broadcasters in Canada called Tim and Sid. They have their, they had their own TV show. They started on a, you know, they came up to the ranks, been around for 20 years. They just split up recently so that basically, so that one of the, the hosts could go to our version of Good Morning America, which is breakfast television here, right? He wanted a new challenge. They made a full song about saying, I believe in Messiah. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, I will send it. I can't play it on the podcast because we will get taken down, but I will send it to you, Rob. One of the funnier things we've ever seen. So let's move off the kids. But before we get to the pros, I was thinking this when we were talking about Kentucky. Because obviously Kentucky's your your team. Yeah. Who are your other teams? Have we ever asked you? I don't really have other teams. Like in, in any sport, I mean. Um, so dudes that have done right by me. Like I'm always like, so I'm always following Kentucky players. I'm heavy into Phoenix because I've always been a big Devin Booker guy. One time I met Chris Paul. That is the most competitive dude I've ever seen. (laughs) I'll tell this story really, really quickly. We're in North Carolina and it's 
before his rookie year. So it's Chris Paul, Sean May, Jerry Stackhouse, and somebody else that I could never figure out. And they're, we're at a food lion and they're giving out food and signing autographs. And we're going through the line. And I just happen to be at this part in the line and Stackhouse is talking to Chris Paul and he's like, it's right after they got drafted, but they haven't played a game yet. So it's the summer. And he goes, yo man, that Andrew Bogut dude said he's going to win uh, rookie of the year. And Chris Paul is like mid signing my shirt. and just goes into complete competitive asshole mode. Fuck that N word. Are you kidding me? That's my shit to win. You lost your goddamn mind stack. And like, it just, and then, Oh, sorry, little dude. And just kept signing my shirt. But like it just it just came on immediately. Like the idea of another rookie being better than him was so preposterous that 8 a.m. at a food lion in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, he just couldn't contain it. Oh my god! And I've loved him ever since. So you're more of a player. So, so Kentucky, if, if there's, it could be the Super Bowl is on, but if Kentucky's playing Duke at the same time, Kentucky's on the TV. That's what you're saying. No, because I'm a sports person first. I like okay. I, I love basketball more than anything, but um, the Super Bowl is a giant sports. All right, maybe a bad example. I, I don't know. Like the, the, like the Master Sunday is on, and Kentucky's playing. You you, oh, you got Kentucky definitely now. watching Kentucky. <laughs> I keep throwing out terrible examples. The reason well, no, I no, ask- like the Masters isn't going to do it for me um, in football. Um, I don't really have a team, but I love fantasy football. So like, I'm always watching. So players again. Yeah. I don't care for baseball. Like if the Yankees win, that's cool. And I have in my life. I was going through your Twitter. I thought you're a Braves fan. Did you not tweet about the Braves? I just love it. Okay. Okay. so, So I have this really good friend who's a giant Yankees fan. Um, she's going to listen to this because I'm going to send it to her. Um, and I've really been on her about, Hey, baseball in general has a lack of swag and the Yankees have none. No, they so like, none. I'm always sending her like uh, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Swaggy. Oh yeah. Um, Poppy. That flips super cool. Tim Anderson, go watch Tim Anderson highlights. You'll become his biggest fan. Like this guy will bat flip in your face up seven one. Yeah, but like that's what I like. Like, yeah. bring on the feistiness. Like Ozzie Smith used to. He knew baseball was so boring. One, he would knock off his hat so people could get better pictures of him when the ball was coming, and then he would like do backflips and stuff because it's boring. He was like, it, "I got to spice this up." That is baseball's biggest problem, and that's how they're losing. That's how they're losing the younger generation. It, obviously, that and the and the regionality of it. It, because of the TV rights deals that, that Major League Baseball has, it's it's just more difficult and more expensive to watch out-of-town baseball. So it, it's it's tricky. You can't really see your stars all the time unless you're deep into baseball and pay for the extra innings package or, or anything or something like that. It's it's more difficult now than it's ever been. Um, obviously, streaming services that that helps, but if just traditional media, it's more di- it's more difficult. Plus, they don't promote their stars. They're like the NHL, and they, they were slow. They, it, it, well, it is slow. It's too, no, no, nine no, 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 too no. long. They were slow too. So the biggest thing the NBA has going for them is the NBA doesn't care about fair use media rights. If something cool happens in an NBA game, me and you can pop that on Twitter. And the NBA is of the belief of all publicity is good publicity. You don't get 
a lot of highlights of other sports because they copyright them. Yes. But social media is so big. Just throw the highlights on everywhere. No. And you actually made this that point on your podcast. Um, I think it was around the World Series and you were doing a, uh, a mailbag or a question and answer pod. And I remember when you said it and I, and I thought to myself, he's 100 percent right. And leagues make a mistake with that. The NFL is so big, it doesn't matter. But the, you know, because the NFL has that as well, don't they? They have the same thing as baseball. It has to come from a, an actual source yeah, unless NFL it's film. Has, why fantasy football works is because fantasy basketball sucks. Fantasy baseball sucks. I imagine fantasy hockey sucks because games too can much be work. any day of the week. There's too many. Yeah, too many. Football, you have to pay attention on Sunday. Yeah, Thursday and, and Sunday. Maybe Monday and Thursday, depending on who you have going. It, and then it's 17 short weeks. Well, and really for, for fantasy, you pay attention Tuesday night for the waiver wire. And then it's, you just fall. You, if you don't want to watch the game, you follow on your phone. Cause you want to see what your guys doing on Thursday. Cause Thursday generally is a terrible night for football uh, mm-hmm. because the, it was who had the Thursday night games that they would just stick them with terrible games. Anyways, I can't remember. It was always like the Jaguars versus the um, like versus the lions or something. It's kind of like the, the London night, but yeah, it, you're hundred percent right. It's it's easy. It's easy to follow. One day it's it owns the entire day. But you are right about baseball in that sense. You know, Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. You and I would not no- notice Mike Trout walking down the street and I watch like a hundred games a year. At no. all. No. And yet we would probably recognize Miles Bridges. <laughs> right? Well, part of that is Another point I'm sure I've made, maybe here or somewhere else, the NBA doesn't wear hats or no, helmets. I know. But or this glasses. is hockey or football where it's got, you got a, a cage, right? 99% of the time, it, you, can, you can tell what these guys are, but they don't allow them to be themselves enough where they can express themselves. Where you, I, I know Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I know a lot of baseball fans know him. Obviously, he's a distinct looking human being. He's very, for a long time, he was very fat. That was his calling card, right? big ass like that was his thing and and he's got dreads and he, he's very distinctive to what baseball is and yet mike trout we would have no idea and this guy's won four mvps and hasn't made the playoffs which is crazy but he's it's 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 one of the things that i will never understand is you know the fact would be that really really fun if we dressed you as mike trout and just walked around <laughs> And like got people to run up and take pictures with you and see what we could do. Dude, that's Mike Trout. Oh my God. I'm like as a hidden camera prank. Oh, I'm, you know what? But there's probably things that we could do. There's something. We we, we might need to work on this. We might need to workshop this. I've been asked if I'm a hockey player multiple times because I wear a lot of hockey gear because I'm a big Leaf fan. I'm a big guy, as in I'm a 6'6. So people like I'll be walking through and they'll be like, and like, 12-year-olds, do you play for the Leafs? Uh, no, I'm just, you know, I just dress like I'm a 12-year-old fan like you because, you know, I have problems. But Oh, you're a better um, man than me. I would lie all the time. I'd no, have I can't, I can't do it to the kids. Fake art autographs. I can't do it to the kids, man. And when I, it's happened twice to me. So I won't say it happens all the time. It happened twice, once in an airport and once in a mall. But And I would I sign some BS for those kids. <laughs> uh, I'm a piece of shit. No, you're not. Let's get. Uh, I now regret that I didn't. Let, let's get to the NBA, and I'm going to let you pick where we start. Okay. All right. Do you want? Do you want to start with the Lakers? Oh, I thought, or do oh, you want to start oh, with some please. good shit? 
please. <laughs> Ian is going to be mad that we're talking about the Lakers, but we have to. The Lakers have officially been eliminated from the playoffs. They went, what, 31? They're 31 and 50 or some crazy number right now. And, yeah, they, they, they sucked. So, go ahead. Do you, answer me this. Anthony Davis came out yesterday and made headlines saying that the reason that they are not in champion, forget the playoffs, in championship contention is because the big three didn't play together enough. They played a combined 21 games of the 80 regular season games that they have played. Rob Shaw. Bullshit or fact? Everybody missed games. It's bullshit. Like, maybe it's a... No. First of all, when you construct this roster, just just pencil Anthony Davis in for 20 missed games at a minimum. At least. Just pencil him in for, you know, there's 20 games where you won't be here. Um, it w- it was never a great fit, and I knew they were done when LeBron started having those big scoring nights. When LeBron started going crazy, read right into that. I saw, oh man, he's about to throw them right under the bus with these crazy numbers. It's gonna be well. LeBron was doing his thing. Where were y'all? And it's and like the and it covers up how bad they were because then the narrative can be. Yo, we've never seen anything like this at 37, and we haven't. But at this point, is he a guaranteed playoff berth? No, he's not. Not as the team's best player. No. Now, I I guess it would all come down to the roster construction around him, right? You know, I think Mm -hmm. if you dropped him into the Suns lineup without Booker or Chris Paul, I think that, you know, that even then, though, even then, because even with LeBron, LeBron only played 56 games this year. And they went 25 and 31 in the games that he played. There's just a general lack of talent on that team. Like the big three is the big three, but Russell Westbrook is, he's a unique entity. Like he's, he's an enigma. He's something. Well, like what situation would you put him in where you think he could win at this point? I don't think he's ever proven that he's a winning basketball player. No, no, like he like as close as it was was him and Durant, and like that was just pure young talent over everything. He had Kevin Durant, and now he's had LeBron James. I don't think that. Yeah, thirty-seven year nineteen, sure. No, no, no. But where do you put him? I don't think there's a scenario where you can make him a winning player. No, no, I don't think so either. I don't, and you know what? I'm going to say this, but I don't believe it. They were 11 and 10 in the 21 games that they all played together. So sure, if you extrapolate that out, they're in the play-in game, right? Good for you. Good for you. They are awful. And then you got Magic going on first take, just dumping on the entire organization about how they had DeMar DeRozan in the bag. He wanted to sign there. Then the next move is you flip Kyle Kuzma for Buddy Heald. You bring all that together, and he says this team would be in the Western Conference Finals, uh, battling against Phoenix. I mean, sure, Magic, maybe, but 
that still means keeping KCP, keeping Caruso, and you're still to to this to this point. Anthony Davis played 40 games. So where's that team going, even with that? Because LeBron's still carrying the team for 82 games, for 42 on his own then. And even he can't play a full season anymore. This is a masterclass in disaster. And they don't have a path out of this. This isn't, we can just buy out Russell Westbrook or flip him to the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's no out. Oh, no, they're, they're in trouble. Th- th- what do you do? I don't know, because, like, one, they gave up everything that was actually worth trading to get Russell Westbrook. Remember that uh, Taylor Horton Tucker time where THT was, like, a thing? For that it's couple, not a thing. He, he's not, not a thing. It's not a thing at all. It's not at all. And that extension is brutal. And the Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, 2027 first round pick that was being floated around anywhere that isn't getting you anything Kendrick Nunn gave them as much as me and you did this year exactly and and by the way Avis mentioned Nunn in his press conference if we had Kendrick Nunn there's different yeah okay sure the the eighth man from Miami Heat last year is making a fucking difference give me a goddamn break I'm done I can't talk about them anymore I'm out I'm sorry Rob I'm done I'm I'm out on them okay good um Let's talk about the Eastern Conference, because right now there is a very intriguing race for second place in the East. Both all all of the Celtics, Bucks, and 76ers are tied for second, two and a half games back at the Miami Heat, sitting with a record of 49 and 30. Mr. Shaw, who's the best team of those three? Oh, this is painful. You're going to do it. (laughs) I knew it. And that's just because they have the best player by like such a wide margin. And then we've seen this team win together and like, we know where the pieces fit. I do think they're a little thin on the wings, Mm -hmm. but you have Giannis, you have Drew Holiday, who is, he's like a nerds basketball player. Like, like people like me and you that are watching games constantly are like, that Drew Holiday dude is a bad man. But the casual fan might be like, mm, 16 points a game. How bad is he? Right. Oh, no. He's a, he's an MFer. Don't you worry. At both ends of the floor. Yeah. At both ends of the floor. And I do think that they're going to have a little bit of trouble guarding teams with multiple wings. Because Middleton can hold his own, but he's not great. And Giannis, while special, is always better closer to the rim. Just, right? just say Boston, because I feel like that's who you're really thinking. I think you think Jalen Brown. I don't. I think the Bucs are – so I think the Bucs are, are the best team. No, the but right, when you say but, multiple but I, I, I think, think Boston is Brown. I think Boston's going to be in trouble. Absolutely, I do. I think the, the Robert Williams loss is big for Boston, though, because that is a dude that you can throw – in theory, you can come off the ball to help against a guy like Giannis, Right. Because who was uh, going to be Al Horford? So who's guard, who's guarding Giannis on the on the Celtics right now? Because again, and it's it, got to be Tatum. It's got to be Tatum, and he needs to carry such an offensive load for you that it is going to be very difficult for seven for seven games over a two week span. So, but I do think that they match up well. You can throw smart on Drew. Jalen can chase around uh, can chase around Middleton. They don't really have a center that can that can punish them again, outside of Giannis, who 
can who definitely plays the five in crunch time. Mm-hmm. But that is that is a matchup I really want to see. I think that the 76ers are a clear third. They don't have the depth. The hardened piece has not integrated the way that it looked after the first couple of games. You know, shocking when you're not playing against Minnesota and and another and a bottom feeder, two teams who probably you can't guard anyone. He just might not be good anymore. Well, like I might be at that point. Well, I think he's still good, but he's just not James Harden anymore. He's lost his step. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's still what? Top 30 player in the NBA? Easily, but like he's he's like the Superman with gray hair instead of the Superman with black hair. Like, yeah. Ooh, those powers are dwindling there, buddy. No, I, I completely agree. And you know what? It's it's I'm kind of stepping on a question that we're that we're gonna ask next, but you know what? Let's no, let's stick with the plan. Because one of the things with these three teams is they're in a very unique position. Before yesterday, Brooklyn was in 10th. After yesterday, after the Hawks lost, Brooklyn won, and, and some other things happened. I think I think Charlotte lost too. Brooklyn shot up into eighth. So they have a real shot now at seventh, where before they would have had to win two games, both on the road to get the eight seed. So my question becomes, we hear a lot about teams trying to avoid Brooklyn, throw games to avoid Brooklyn. You've been around a lot of competitive athletes in your life. Do you think any of these three teams are like, I don't want to just win the last three games of the season and get the best record that, I've, that I can and be on the road and be, on, be at home as much as possible? Or do you think some of them are like, Katie's a bad man. I want nothing to do with that. Let's let's maybe sit everyone against uh, against Oklahoma or something like that. See, I don't think the players are ever like that. Like, just like I don't think players are ever tanking. Like, you put out bad players or players that are worse than the competition by a significant margin, and you tank. So front offices are thinking like that, and maybe in like coaches' meetings, they're yes. thinking, "Hey, strategically, maybe we sit so and so." an extra four minutes tonight because he might help us win too much. Or we pitch it to the fans like, we really want to see what Peyton Pritchard has. We really want to get him revved up before the playoffs. Would but you like, do that? Would you want to avoid Brooklyn right now? Because no yeah. one's higher on them than you. Yes. Have you seen that Kevin Durant guy play basketball? Yeah, yeah I, I, I want no smoke with him. <laughs> I I do subscribe that the one team that probably doesn't give a shit is the Bucs. There's yeah, like, well, fuck they, it, we'll take anyone. Yeah, they, they have. Them and, they feel, and they feel like, hey, we're the reigning champs. So, But like, overall, I don't, I don't want to see Durant and Kyrie. And you know who wants teams, good teams to avoid them as well? Adam Silver. Mm-hmm. They want him to he go. Doesn't want, uh, he doesn't want the play-in tournament to end and there'd be no Kevin Durant and LeBron James. That's, I promise you that is true. a logistical nightmare for the league. Oh, the Nets are getting all the calls. We can absolutely agree with that. David Stern is coming out of his grave to tap some people on the shoulder to say, you're giving the calls to the Brooklyn Nets. For real. But wouldn't Adam Silver also really, really want that 2-7 to be the 76ers and the Nets? Couldn't he be behind closed doors already? No, no, as long as the 2-7 two seven is fine. Right. Because that's a series. <clears throat> but, but he's getting he out just of play. Want the play. He doesn't want the Nets having a weird path in the play-in game 
where they need to win two to get in. Like that's that's too risque. They can't defend anyone though. Like anyone. This has been a poor job by Steve Nash as a coach. And I hope we don't wind up with a Durant injury just from the minutes load he's played trying to carry this team. Um, Kyrie has proved something that I've thought for a while. I've always been a firm believer that like you can go back and look at the first week of the NBA season when everybody's fresh during that first week, there's always massive scoring output games. Like the first week always features so-and-so had a 40 ball. So-and-so had a 50 ball because everybody's so fresh, almost like, like the NFL. Like if the, if the NBA played once a week or twice a week, you'd be like, Jesus Christ, these guys average 50. And like, that's why Kyrie had the 50 ball and the 60 ball because he was playing closer to an NFL schedule than an NBA schedule once every 12 days, once every seven days. And then he's super fresh. And especially, and he's not a young chicken anymore, especially. And now that we'll see what it's like now that he's playing every game, shout out to baseball. Baseball was able to allow Kyrie to play basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Because they wanted, they wanted, uh, they wanted to judge in the, in the, in the, in the lineup. Cause yeah, he's not the Yankees players in the lineup. And they said, Oh, well, this is baseball. I don't give a damn what Kyrie Irving does. But you know baseball? what? Yeah. I, w- do, do you want to go there? Do you want, do you want to, do you want to do it? I'm, I'm with whatever. Why do you think that is Rob? Because it's America's pastime and it's a nice white sport. <laughs> and they were like, look, we don't care what Kyrie Irving does. He won't play a goddamn game. But if you think you're going to take our boys in pinstripes away over some conflabbed vaccine, you got another thing coming. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and it wasn't the Mets either. Ain't nobody give a damn about the Mets either. Let me tell you that. And yet they're spending more money than the Yankees. At least they're going out and trying. At least they're excited. I'm just telling them. you that when the Mets called and they were like, hey, some of our players, um, their vaccine status is up in the air. They said, don't give a shit. They can sit right next to Kyrie. <laughs> oh, well, you brought up Steve Nash. We can't let Sean. I don't think we can let Sean Marks off for this either. Like, if you just look at the roster construction, I, I know Ben Simmons isn't out there. but this is a team that is supposed to score a bunch of points and bleed a bunch of points. Uh, you know, Irving, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, Goran Dragic, Cam Thomas, Andre Drummond. They all play prominent roles in this team's best eight. Blake Griffin. Okay. Uh, Blake Griffin is fourth on their depth chart at power forward behind James Johnson and Kessler Edwards. That's bad. It's a poorly constructed team. Um, Joe Harris not playing really well, hurts. Yeah. Harris and Simmons hurt, but Harris isn't helping at the other end. Like he's competent. Dude, doing the Harden trade and essentially getting Drummond and Seth Curry for Harden doesn't look good. No. I think like, the greater scope of the deal, obviously, it does. You get the picks. You get Simmons, who's a wild card, obviously. But for helping Durant in his prime in a season he's putting a lot of a lot of energy on those legs again. 
Drummond and Seth Curry. And then Seth Curry got the nerve to get hurt. Jeez. But don't worry, Goran Dragic is coming, the, the fucking savior. Um, Rob, I don't know if you know this. The Toronto Raptors clinched a playoff berth last night. And not Ready, mate, superstar. Not just play in, playoff. They are in line for the fifth seed, although there's three games left, so fifth or sixth seed. Ain't nobody wants to play these guys. We will talk about Brooklyn. It's a different reason. There, there's a bunch of assholes to play against. Every possession is hard. Now, it can be hard at the other end, but Pascal Siakam's leap into an efficient offensive player, both from a scoring and facilitating perspective, has been such a joy for someone like me. Who, It's funny. My, my life cycle with, with Siakam has been pretty crazy. I heard him in an interview when he was drafted, and I, he was, I was all the way in. He was my guy. I loved him. Went to his first start. I sat in the lower bowl, watched him because um, – we didn't really have power forward death. I can't remember who it was who got hurt, but they, but they, uh, Dwayne Casey started him in his in his first ever game. He played starting power forward. He had his first shot. But it was a three, and I was going nuts. I was like, I'm all in on this guy. Then, as he got the the reins handed to him, he had that herky jerky game. wasn't a great passer. Was really more of a transition player than a half court player. And obviously, he had that really bad bubble series against Boston. Then he's playing in Tampa the year after. He's hurt. He's dealing with COVID. But he's now unequivocally one of the top 20 or 25 players in the NBA. I believe he should be an all-NBA player. We're going to get to that in a minute. But I wonder, what do you see in the Raptors? They're a team like, I just don't want to deal with them. And I feel like GMs around the league are begging and praying that they don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals or have like a deep playoff run because I've I've said for about two years they're a superstar away. They're a ready-made team for a superstar. When they had Kawhi, they plugged him in, boom, they win a championship. That core is there and that core might even be better now. Siakam's better. Van Fleet's better. They didn't have a Scotty Barnes. Still waiting for my boy OG to take the leap I expected. But just as a team, they're they're there. And like you said, they're assholes. Like, they're going to get after it. Nick Nurse is not one to play with. He's, he's somebody I would not want to play X's and O's with in a playoff series. And it's, it's funny. You, you know, we watch a lot of basketball, read a lot of basketball, listen to a lot of basketball. The amount of players and contemporaries that come out and are like, that dude's a fucking genius. I want nothing to do with that guy. I would love to play for that guy. Mm-hmm. The things that Kevin Durant talked about, I'm like, he's, you know, Phil Jackson, right? And he also complimented Scotty Barnes, which was nice. Um, but, you know, you mentioned OG. The funny thing about Toronto is they actually, I believe, have a losing record when he doesn't play. So just everything that he brings to the team, he opens them up so much to do what makes this team great. Because it's he's their best defensive player, and it just makes him that much better. And when he's knocking down three point shots, when he's knocking down you know uh, a pull up a pull up elbow shot, they are really really hard to beat. I don't love their depth as much. You know what I mean? Like, so 
uh, Boucher is uber important for this team. And, you know, it's, he's been good. I'll give him credit. He has been good, but they don't really have, you know, a backup guard, right? Delano Banton was really coming on, but he's in the doghouse now. Um, their wing slash forward, like their wing forward, because they don't really have a center. That group is really, really good and deep, right? OG, Siakam, Barnes, Achua, Boucher, you know, even a little bit of, you know, oh, and Thad Young, sorry. Like that, that's really deep. They just don't have the depth at guard. So we're going to see. But this team plays where, where they really need their depth is on the wing. So here's my question to you. They're going to play one of the Sixers, Bucks, or Celtics in the first round. Rank the rank them in order of teams if you're the Raptors front office that you would want to play against from most to least. I think I want to play the Sixers. Like I know Joel Embiid is hell, but man, I two big long wings to put on James Harden, and then maybe I just go the Popovich strategy. Hey, look, we're gonna put James Harden and everybody else in hell. And Joel Embiid is going to average 45. Pop used to do that versus the Suns and Amari Stoudemire. Mm -hmm. Amari Stoudemire would be torching the Spurs. 45, 39, but nobody else is getting off. And James Harden has been susceptible to bad playoff series. And the idea of coming down and running a pick and roll with maybe Tobias Harris and Fred Van Fleet's in my shorts. And then I pick and roll with Tobias Harris and OG Ananobi switches on to me and I take three steps back and I'm like, all right, don't want this guy. Um, Tyrese Maxey, you come set it and we'll go guard to guard, pick and roll. And then Scotty Barnes is now on me. I might just kick the ball into the fucking stanza from James Harden. Well, we're about to get to our first segment of what did Ian think? Cause I did have him submit some thoughts about some of the things that we were going to talk about, but why don't you rank number two and number three? The, the Celtics and then the Bucks. Okay. All right. So let's go to the, what did Ian have to say? Here's from Ian. He ranks it in order of the Sixers first, the Bucks second, and the Celtics third. Quote, Nick Nurse scheme is great versus Embiid. Plus, we have a ton of big wings we can throw at the now juiceless Harden. We can force Brick Ross into tough shots and maybe even steal the series. Milwaukee doesn't interest me a ton. But we have a Giannis plan. And again, guys to throw at Middleton and Holiday. I don't love this matchup. Celtics, to me, are last. Tatum is a major problem. Plus, we always struggle against them. And Marcus Smart has turned into the Raptor killer, taking that title away from Gerald Henderson. And a runner-up candidate right now might be Mo Bamba. So I was actually in line with, uh, with you. I was thinking Sixers for me. Embiid never plays well against us. And I know that a lot of casual fans are going to think, oh, the Raptors' tallest player is six foot nine. Embiid's going to torch him. No, Nick Nurse has schemes for that. They can keep they keep him away from the basket really, really well. Right? Yeah, he beat, he torched them in the series that they lost. That that Kawhi hit those shots. They won the series when, whenever he sat. But that's because no one else was going to beat them. That's the same thing that's going to happen here. And the Sixers have worse players overall than they did. Uh, th- uh, three years ago. Now, yes, we don't have Kawhi, of course, but Sixers to me are clear number one. I agree with you and Ian. I had the Celtics number two, but I think culturally and historically, 
as a fan who I want to see, I've seen us beat Giannis twice. And I know that Kawhi was a part of one of them. But I've seen Nurse scheme to stop Giannis at one end. I don't love that matchup either. And I think Giannis is the best player on any of these four teams. I don't think that's that's debatable. But but I would rather see that in the Celtics because we haven't had the success we had against we have against the other teams with the Celtics. They kind of are Toronto-esque in the sense that they don't play big. They have a bunch of they have wings, and their best player is an elite scorer and defender. And that's something that I don't want to see. Ian, I agree with you. Um, let's move on to another one. I'm going to lead off with Ian on this one, okay? We asked Ian who his rookie of the year is going to be. Now, Rob, who the hell do you think he said? Maybe Scotty Barnes. <laughs> if, I had to, if I had to throw a couple dollars, if I had to wager. Quote, his stats are better than Mobley's. He plays all five positions. More importantly, guards all five positions. Plays more minutes. Is on a better team. And is relied on for impact more than Mobley is. Kate is awesome but his team has like 20 wins. Scott, Scotty not only has to catch and finish like Mobley, but has been asked to create for himself and others. Last night, he flipped from guarding Trey Young one possession, then flipped to Capella another. That's not normal for a 20-year-old rookie. I'm not going to argue here. To me, my pick would be Scotty Barnes. I wouldn't really be upset if any three of these guys win, personally, but I do think start to finish. I think Mobley had the better start and the 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 overall media churn was just so hard on him in a, in a positive way. They were all in on, on Mobley. Cade had his resurgence. He's put up his stats, but I think start to finish who has been the most consistent, who has been as if not most impressive and who has contributed the most to winning is Scotty Barnes. So I, I would have Barnes. Are you three for three with the stands brothers, Rob? I'm with you guys in our group chat. I always talk about how the Raptors are, Hey, a team that's ready made for a superstar. Scotty Barnes has been so impressive. I had to send to the group chat. Are we sure they didn't draft their superstar? <laughs> like he's not there right now. Like that kid just gets it done. And rookie of the year often isn't a award where winning is taken into account. It's honestly just, who has the best raw counting stats. Hashtag Michael Carter-Williams, yes. Yeah, but like at this point, we need to take into account how good Barnes has been on a winning team. Because, newsflash, that's harder to do. Because yeah, if you're on a fill a role. You're, if you're not awesome, you don't get to play on a good team. This isn't going to a bottom feeder where you good stats, bad team. Everyone in the NBA could put up stats if they were the best player on the team. And Barnes has come into a situation with a potential all-NBA guy, an all-star, and borderline all-NBA guy, borderline, he's going to be all defense in, in Fred Van Vliet, a microwave in Gary Trent Jr., and OG Ananobi, who's an established... OG Ananobi is... Scotty Barnes is who they wanted OG Ananobi to be. Yes, exactly. And, and and I was going to call him an established rotation player, which I think is disrespectful to OG. He's better than that. He is a bona fide rotation player. He can I put be, a number next to a starter. Like, hey, he's a solid 
fourth starter. That, yeah, that I feels think he's a little bit nicer. I think that if he's a he can be a fourth starter on a championship team, maybe even third, depending on who you're two. Best yeah, players that, are. yeah, that yeah, that feels that feels about right. So to do that on a team like this is more impressive. That's why I actually like I love what Mobley's done. But look what happened. His teammates went down. He couldn't lift all boats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Our team has missed time too. And here we are. I so, like that saying, by the way. Lift all boats. Like I've never that? heard that. I like that. Yeah. So I'm in. I'm in. I like it. MVP. We've talked about this a few times, Rob. And it has moved everywhere. Oh, boy. I, has it, it's moved for me too. I have... Looked for odds all day. Finally found them on an IG post by the score. So shout out the score. Jokic is now a minus 360 favorite. Embiid is plus 300. Giannis is plus 600. Does the score have it right? Yes. I was team Embiid last time we talked about this. And I have since moved over to the Joker side of this argument. Ian was right all along. That fucker. I think think the real issue for Embiid is that Harden has been so bad, I don't even want to watch the Sixers play. He's just so disgusting that I don't want to watch the Sixers play, and I don't want – I just don't want success in their general area because I'm so disgusted with them. And that's not to take away from how good Joker has been. No Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. has the same back as Phil Jackson. (laughs) And they just keep chugging along. Yeah. And they're two wins worse than the 76ers, even though they're in six, but they didn't drop into the play-in or they haven't yet. It would take a miracle for them too. that have to lose all three of their final games or the last two of their games. No, no, no. I think they're locked in. Would be my guess. Uh, Cause Minnesota's two behind with two to play. So unless they own the tiebreaker, which I, I would I doubt, I would doubt. Um, yeah. You know what? I, again, any of these three could win. I, w- I wouldn't be upset. And but I agree with you. The Embiid, this award becomes an, an, a narrative award. I've talked mm-hmm. to you about this before. Harden ruined the narrative award for Embiid because he had it. Did he? Because Embiid he came in and completely <laughs> fucked it all up. Because <laughs> Embiid was winning the narrative battle. He had never won it before. He was the he was the odds-on favorite to win before he got hurt last year. They don't have Ben Simmons. He's carrying this team, rallying this. He had the narrative award. And then here comes the beard. Brick and it's Ross. all gone. Brick, Brick Ross. And it's all gone. I, I agree. He, he's lost it. And now it's like, okay, so then let's just look at your numbers. Okay, Jokic is better at like eight things. You're better at four. Your teams are basically comparable. And you and he has the now he has the the public opinion now he has the public popularity because you know your GM is literally in love with this man that yeah. is coming into this situation and taking your thunder and you guys didn't kill it they had to be perfect for this not to ruin it this man asked for a trade out of a team quit on two teams in thirteen months you can't it bring that bad. around your your MVP chances and it. It has to go 10 out of 10 perfect for it to work. And you keep that. It does. And bringing in Harden cost him part of the narrative. Part of the narrative was he was able to go back and forth with Joker and say, yeah, you don't have Jamal Murray, but I haven't had Ben Simmons all season either. Right. Well, now you brought in a potential, when he's right, a top 10 or five guy. And 
you know, some of the media is not watching like me and you. So it takes them a while to catch up. So while me and you were like, hey, Harden slipped to 20 through 30. There's some guys out there with votes who still think James Harden is Houston James Harden or fresh into Brooklyn James Harden. The company to come up off them votes. Yeah. (laughs) Give us a vote. Give us one. The, the, The company that Ian and I both work for has really close ties with um, with a few NBA teams, right? And that's why Ian sends us tweets that he would love to say, but won't post them publicly, obviously. And um, then I go fire them bitches Yeah, then you'll, I you'll... No political connects. <laughs> I can't wait. He, and he's been saying since like the second week of the season, because the Nets are one of the teams. He's like, this, this guy doesn't have it anymore. It's just, he's not the same. He's lost his first step. He can't get to the basket at will when he's, and especially remember they were getting rid of those ticky, the, all the ticky, uh, oh, ticky tack fouls insane. for the first three, two, two to three months of the season. Point of emphasis. They do that every year. They come up with some points of emphasis. And for the first couple of weeks of the season, it's all helter skelter. And then you're like, oh, well, they stopped doing that. And that, oof, those first couple of months were bad for James Harden. Do you watch or follow hockey? Um, if it's on Sports Center in the morning, like I watch the highlights. Hockey is notorious for point of emphasis. They pick something every year that they're going to crack down on. This year, it was cross-checking. So for the first six to eight weeks of the season, every year, book it. Every little cross-check is going to get called. And then gradually, as the season goes on, they start letting off, letting off, letting off. We're at the point in the season now where I watched a player get cross-checked in the head a month ago. The player who cross-checked him was suspended for two games. Last, last week, a player got cross-checked in the head, no penalty. We're now getting into the playoffs where mugging is allowed, it is encouraged, and you can literally take a weapon and hit someone with it, and it will not get called a penalty. It happens every single year like clockwork. So I'm glad you brought up point of emphasis. So I guess we're all locked in. It's Jokic's award, award to lose. Yeah. And there's not a lot of time to lose it. So with the final segment, I did say they were going to do all NBA. I told you, don't worry. You don't have to bring your teams. The reason that I said that was because the, the top 10, so the top four guards, the top four forwards, and the top two centers are pretty well locked in. You would have to assume. There's just a little bit of, do I like this guy on first team or this guy on second team? But before I read the names, there is a development. Zach Lowe reached out to the NBA, requested for his ballot player distinctions for position. And both Jokic and Embiid are eligible at center and forward. Even though neither Jokic or Embiid have played a minute at forward this season. So my first question before we get into the consensus 10, because I saw your tweet today. I don't stalk you. Don't worry. It's just you know, it's part, it's part of the prep. I saw your tweet today about why is all rookie free, but other awards are kind of locked in, or maybe it was backwards. I might be, I might oh, be missing. I can't wait for you to let me make this point. Oh, this is my soapbox. I love it. So you're all, are you all in on the positional flexibility with centers and, and things like that? Or, or Go ahead, Rob. Soapbox. Forget positional flexibility. This is the dumbest thing the NBA has ever done, and it needs to be fixed. So, first of all, the MVP ballot should determine the first team All-NBA. Those five players 
should be first team all NBA. I don't care about position because you can go back historically and, oh, Wilt Chamberlain wins MVP and Bill Russell is second on the ballot. But because of positions, um, Bill Russell is second team all NBA. No, the MVP ballot just told me he was the second best player in the league. But now the all NBA team tells me he's the sixth best player in the league. What? Because of positions and the all NBA team should be a snapshot of what the league looked like. If I wanted, if I wanted to look at the 2007 season through the 2010 season, and I just wanted to look at the all NBA teams, I should be able to tell what position dominated that era. Because if there were, nine great point guards then give me nine play nine guards out of the 15 all nba team slots don't pigeonhole me into six forwards six guards in three centers because in the olajuwon era where you had olajuwon shaq david robinson and patrick ewing and patrick ewing that era is dominated by centers and we're never going to know that because there's only three on the all NBA team. So no positions, just you vote them onto a team and then you just tally up the votes. The, Hey, the top five vote getters, they're your first team, your top, the six through 10 second team and 11 through 15 third team, regardless of position. Because we're about to go right back to that Will and Bill Russell situation where if Zach Lowe didn't get us positional flexibility, we're going to have Embiid or Joker win the MVP. And then the one that's in second is going to be second team all NBA. So the MVP ballot is going to say he was a top five player in the league. And the all NBA team is going to say he's a six through 10 type of guy. So there's, a few points that I want to make back to this to me, and I'm not saying you're wrong. It's very interesting. And it's a, it's a, I do, uh, I do agree with your era uh, debate about this. There is a potentially, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Robinson, Ewing, Hakeem, one of them isn't making it. Mm-hmm. We know that they're not going to be on a team at all. So in an era, you will forget that that person probably had one of the 10 best seasons in the league, but it's not going to count. So that part I agree with the two pieces that I would, to me, the one piece that I find a a little bit different is it's an all NBA team. So I want it to reflect what a team would have been built like in that time. So that's where like with guard and forward, especially with in this, in this era where forwards handle the ball so much more, I'm cool with having, Positional flexibility, one through four. Center right now is pretty defined. Like, I'm not in love with putting Joker at power forward just to have him on the first team because he was the first or second best player in the league this year and the other center was the first or second best team. I don't love that because to me, it's not a team and it doesn't represent this era. So I think the answer has got to be somewhere in the middle. Your point about Wilt and Bill, to me, is right and flawed. Yes, we will remember that Wilt was first-team All-NBA and the best center and the MVP that season. Technically, we would remember Bill Russell as the second-best center, but you don't always look at it that way because people look at how many first-team All-NBAs you have. 
how many second team all NBAs do you have? And I look it's back more at like that. what player and so if we cared more about the MVP ballot, I don't think I'd be as passionate about this. But we like don't. you you don't care about the ballot. No. You care about no one no MVP. one cares. Oh, you got second in MVP. No one knows. No one remembers. No one cares. There's there's literally like three players that I remember where they placed on a ballot other than first Isaiah Thomas that one year, because he came in fifth and it was a feel good story. And then the year that Westbrook won and Harden, Harden and Kawhi second and third, Harden and yeah. Kawhi. but like those, those are the ones the I remember. Times. Right. Cause it was such I, a debate. Right. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's a, a Jordan Malone one or whatever. Jordan Barkley. Like, Jordan came third, I think behind Barkley and Hakeem. 94. Yeah. 94. And like, but like, that's it. So if like that mattered more and I could use MVP balloting to say, yeah, sure. He was second team, but actually the consensus around the league was that he was the second best player, but nobody uses the MVP ballot. And I think that point, I agree with you hundred percent, hundred percent. That needs to be celebrated more where you finished on that ballot in the top five. But I do want to get your teams quickly because let's just say the top 10 is pretty in stone. As I mentioned before, the four forwards are again. Let's let's just do the 10 players. Durant, Giannis, Tatum, DeRozan, Luca, Booker, Morant, Curry, Embiid, and Jokic. Pretty consensus. Those are the ten, have been the 10 best players this year. I, I, I don't think who else would you put up there? Chris Paul got hurt. So it's tough. Chris Paul is the name that was on the tip of my tongue. Um, I think Chris Paul's going to get some consideration, probably 13, though. But I, th- I agree. I would agree with you. Trey probably going to get some, some consideration. Probably ends up on the third team. LeBron's going to get consideration. Please, God, no. Like this, we didn't even get into the fact that, that this man needs two more games to win a scoring title because he has to play a certain amount of games. And yet, if he does that, when he sat these games out, when his teams needed to win to get into the play-in, I, don't, I know he's hurt. I get it. It, that wouldn't sit right with me if he plays these last two games just to get the scoring title in year 19 at age 37. No one fucking cares. Um, do you want to take a crack at your NBA teams or do you want to hear Ian's? Let's hear Ian's. I, right. I'm really interested to hear his third team. So Ian is Luca, Booker, Giannis, Tatum, Joker. That's his first team. Okay. Second team is Curry, Ja, Durant, DeRozan, Embiid. So the top 10 players that I mentioned in that order. Third team, Trey. CP3, LeBron, Siakam, and Cat. Those are his uh, three All-NBA teams. I'm thinking, I'm looking. i fine with those. Siakam is, is close. It's really between Siakam and Levine at this point. And I think in, yeah, Siakam and Levine. Maybe Jimmy Butler. Bam didn't play enough. Not Jimmy this year. Um, I think you make you can make a case for Siakam or Levine. I understand why he's going Siakam. That's his guy. It is. I'm I'm fine with those teams. I'm and not going to nitpick all NBA third team. I'd love to see Levine get on one. I love seeing Booker on first team. And for me, I would I had the same. Where did you have Ja? Where did he have Ja? I had, he team. had Ja second team. I had Ja first team. I had him along over with. I had him with Luca. So wait, where is Steph? Steph second team. 
So Steph. So ja- I'll, repeat, I'll repeat Ian. Luca Booker, Giannis Tatum, Joker, first team. Curry, Ja, Durant, DeRozan, Embiid, second team. Trey, Paul, LeBron, Siak, and Cat, third team. And my apologies. No, I had, and my teams were Luca, Booker, Durant, Giannis, Jokic. I know Durant only played, what, 55 games, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. He's first team for me. My second team was Curry, Ja, Tatum, DeRozan, Embiid. And my third team was the same as Ian's. Trey, Paul, LeBron, Siakam, Carl Anthony Towns. All right. So my only real switch is I'd probably switch Levine and Siakam, but I'm not nitpicking that. And Durant's lack of games uh, moves him to second team for me. But would you, given your rants and your ability to do so, move Embiid up to first team for as a forward? Yeah. Push, yes, in a heartbeat. So then that means you're going to push Tatum down. So here's mm-hmm. here's Rob Shaw's All-NBA team. We're building it live on the podcast. Luka, Luka Booker, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic. Those are your yes. first team. Yes. Second team. You would need to is going to be Curry and Ja, mm-hmm. Tatum, Durant. DeRozan. Sorry, Tatum, Durant. Yes, Tatum, Durant, and then you need to pick a center though. Is it is no? It Carl- because since I used a power forward, I would. But you need someone up. with center positional flexibility. This is still the NBA that we live in. Oh, you need someone super duper trash. So, so Carl Anthony Towns moves up. I'd move Towns up. What can Siakam nope. count at center? No. So then I'd move Towns up and be disgusted that I have to entertain. Don't do it. Don't do it. You can't do it. 13 center. Because it can't be Bam. He hasn't played enough. Yeah, Bam just doesn't have enough minutes and games. And I'd be sick at giving Rudy one. Oh, my God, Rudy. And like that lets you know how little we value defense because Rudy's going to be first team all defense, probably going to be defensive player of the year. And the idea of putting him as one of the top 15 players in the league on an all NBA team is laughable. Like you're laughing and my I'm stomach laughing. hurts doing it. So that lets you know. I, I don't know if that what that says about defense or what that says about Rudy, but it says something about something. It sure does. Yeah, no, it <laughs> it definitely does. I'm just trying to think. Is there anyone else? No, it's a happy Rudy. Can I throw DeAndre Ayton on? You, if you want to. This is your All NBA team. I, I would probably. I'd feel more comfortable with Ayton. I like rewarding winning, and what about more Vooch? importantly than that, he's a better offensive player, and he's not a slouch on defense. And and fuck the Jazz. Fuck the Jazz. Fuck the Jazz. No, no Donovan Mitchell, although he won't be a Jazz next year. Um, all right. His dad was a scout for the Mets. Bring him to New York. A Nick? Donovan Mitchell would be an excellent Nick. They would fucking love him. But, Rob, that's it. That was awesome. We did it. We made it through. Ian, thank you for giving us your insight. We miss you. As always, everyone, please make sure that you're following Rob Shaw at the Shaw's Law Podcast. Make sure you are checking out and listening to his podcast. His solo pods are incredible. Incredible. And by the way, he swears a lot more and is a lot more R-rated on his podcast, and it's fucking amazing. When this man when this man is slapping his desk, talking about it, putting his dick on a table on his podcast, it's one of the funniest things that I've ever heard. So please make sure that you check him out there. 
pod god harry potter rob thanks for joining us buddy appreciate it uh appreciate how uh, you guys having me and shout out to ian and shout out to sean to make sure that you're doing following all things charles law podcast and from the stands